Good morning. We welcome you to the Lord's house. Will you stand with us? We want you to participate, okay? Don't just watch us sing. We want you to join in. Let's sing together. Sing wherever I go. All my life, all I know. God's been good, good to my soul. Mountain high, valley low. I'm gonna sing wherever I go. Hey, wasn't that an awesome way to get service start kicked off or what? Woo! Let's give our worship team another round of applause. It's great. Man, Kavanaugh Church, it's good to see you this morning. So glad that you're here. Hoping that you've had an awesome week, an even better weekend. You're rested, you're relaxed, and you're here today to receive the word. You guys pumped or what? Good. Woo! It's good. Hey, if you're a first-time guest, thanks so much for joining us this morning. We have a couple stations right out the back door here. Uh, we want to get to know you. We want to tell you a little bit about our church. And we even got a free gift for you, a cup, mug for your coffee, and a Chick-fil-A gift card. So go check it out. We'd love to get to know you and uh, got those things for you too. I don't know what your approach to Scripture is uh, throughout the week in your devotion time or so forth. I, we kind of go towards it with different attitudes. Sometimes it's when we're having a difficult time. Sometimes it's when we're celebrating all that God's done. It's just maybe we're getting to know the stories a little bit better. 
But a couple times throughout the week, I go to the Scriptures, and I, I have a few that I pray through. Um, and, and I have one I wanted to share with you this morning, because this past Wednesday night, I, I walked through this exact same passage with my teenagers, because I, I pray this passage of Scripture over my wife, over my kids, over my youth kids, because they mean that much to me, and I want to make sure that they get this, right? So this is a prayer, and I, I prayed this passage of Scripture over you this morning, and I want to read it to you. Can I, real fast? I'm going to anyways. Here's what it says. It says, for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all of the Lord's holy people. That's to you all. To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God. I hope you came expecting today. I hope you came expecting amazing things, because I believe in a God that has something incredible for us. Amen? Amen. Stay seated, but bow with me in prayer. Let's ask for his anointing today. Lord, we love you, and again, thank you so much for bringing us all back together. Lord, I pray right now what I just read, that we here in this room experience the love that is described as deep and wide. And I know we come from different backgrounds, and I know we come through different complexities, but God, right now, we come unified under the umbrella of your love, and I pray that every single person in this room experiences that today, and wherever they find themselves in, God. So, Lord, bless our morning, bless our pastor as he comes and preaches the message, and continue to be with us as we lift up our hands and praise and worship you. Thank you for all that you've done. Bless our services today in your name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Thank you, Brother Nathan. How are we doing, guys? Hey, this time of year, it's May, and I start thinking about graduations. How about you? All right, do we have any graduates in here, uh, or soon-to-be graduates? Probably a whole bunch. I think, Brother Nathan, don't we have like 500 graduating this year? I mean, it's like crazy. Probably a record. Next Sunday, we're going to honor our college and high school graduates. However, today we are going to recognize one graduate because he will not be able to be here next week because he's graduating from Air Force Academy. That is Mr. Joseph Whitty. Would you come up to the stage? You help me hand, help me hand this out. So as far as I know, Joseph, you're the only member of Kavanaugh that's ever graduated from Air Force Academy. I mean, any, any, anybody else in the house? I, that's awesome, dude. We are so proud of you. We are so very proud of you. And Joseph, I remember when, when you were just a young, I mean, little bitty guy, you were, you were like determined, I'm going to be in the Air Force. And you set that goal, and, and you've done it. You've done it. So we are so proud of you. And we got a couple of gifts for you from our church this is a Red Sea Rules that's written by Rob Morgan. He's one of our Free Will Baptist pastors and authors. Phenomenal book, Application for Life, that you can use for the rest of your days. And then we have, this is the armor of God, okay? It's not, we won't call it an action figure, but it's a really cool, like, statue, okay? <laughs> but, you know, dude, you're a soldier, all right? You're protecting our freedom, and we appreciate that so much, don't we? Yes.
And Brother Will always preaches about the armor of God. So every day you put on your armor of God as you protect us. We love you, buddy. We're Thank so proud you. of you. Thank you, man. Great job. Thank you. Good job. <laughs> Let's just keep yourselves on up. Let's sing to the Lord. Our God saves.
church right now, and I pray, God, that as believers that we could open our eyes and that we are seeking and we are desiring to hear what it is you have for us to change in the way you want us to change us. And I pray, God, that if there's anyone here that doesn't know you today, that they could understand that when they open their hearts and they accept you as their Savior today, God, they can have this same spirit, they can have the same hope, they can have the same change, and they can have the same Savior that heals us and forgives us the way that you do. I'm so thankful for this church, God. I'm so thankful for our pastor. I'm so thankful for everything that is going on here. And I pray, God, that as Brother Will comes and delivers the message to us today, that we would open our hearts and our minds and hear what you would have for us today. And it's in your sweet name, Jesus, that I pray these things. Amen. Amen. Thank you, praise team. Give them another big hand, would you? What a great job they do. Fantastic. Wonderful. Glad you're here. Wow. Good, good to see you today. We've already had one good service. This is about to be a great service. This is about to be a great service because you're here. You're here. The, the month of May, I'm preaching on the family. And, uh, you know, last week we celebrated mamas. And, man, ladies, y'all are awesome. Did you enjoy your candy? Good, good, good. Glad. Come back next year, you'll get something else, all right? So, great. Today we're going to talk about marriages. I got a good friend here today, a preacher from Greenwood. Uh, Brother Stan, good to have you. And Stan, I've, I've been preaching on, on family, and today I want to preach on marriage. And the series is entitled, I Miss Mayberry. I Miss Mayberry. We, we started off with that Rascal Flat song, I Miss Mayberry, sitting on my front porch, drinking what? Ice cold cherry Coke. Watching the clouds go by. Last week we saw a clip from uh, one of the first Andy Griffith shows. It was the pilot. It was on the Danny Thomas show. We learned about what happened to Opie's mama. Today we're going to watch a clip of my very favorite Mayberry show. This is about two, two a couple, a husband and wife, who moved to Mayberry. And they get along great with everybody else, but they fight like cats and dogs when they're together, and Andy is going to counsel them. So, yeah, I know you don't have popcorn, but could you enjoy this with me just for a second? It lasts three minutes, but it is a great clip from Andy Griffith. Let's watch it together.
Yeah, yeah, there you go. I love Barney. I love Barney's solution right there, don't you? If you go home and YouTube this and watch the whole thing, they finally get it and they fall back in love with each other and they're nice to each other, but then they turn mean on everybody else. So they they got deeper issues right there. Somebody said that marriage is a three-ring circus. You got an engagement ring, a marriage ring, and then a whole lot of suffering. Oh, boy. It's also been said love is blind, but marriage restores the sight, okay? So today what I want to do is walk through the three stages of married life and learn from that. Our key verse is Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3, which says, Homes are built on the foundation of wisdom and understanding. And both of them are needed to build a strong, healthy marriage. You need both godly wisdom and a whole lot of understanding. So let's learn that today. Let's get God's wisdom and understanding so that we can have super marriages. Okay, seven of you are with me. That's fantastic, all right? Let's go through these three stages of married life. The first stage is the happy honeymoon. Come on, you remember happy honeymoon. It puts a smile on your face. The key idea of a happy honeymoon is found in the Song of Solomon. The Songs of Solomon are all about the happy honeymoon stage. I want you to listen to chapter 2 as this man and his wife compare each other. And and they do this, I call it dumb talk, love talk to one another. Chapter 2, verse 2, here is what Solomon says to his beautiful wife. Like a lily among thorns, so is my darling among the women. Love talk. Angie calls it dumb talk. And and he's saying something like this. Baby, you can line up all the fair maidens in the land, all of the girls that are out there, you can line them all up, and compared to you, they look like thorn bushes. And you look like a lily. You're so beautiful. What is it, Angie? It's a dumb talk. It's a dumb talk. But you know what? When you're in love, you talk dumb. Huh? She goes on in the next few verses and, and does a rundown or a comparison for him. She says, like an apricot tree among the trees of the forest, so is my man compared to all the other young men. I delight to sit in his shade, and his fruit is sweet to my taste. He brought me to the banquet hall, and he looked on me with love, sustained me with raisins, refreshed me with apricots, for I am lovesick. Listen, my love is approaching. Look, here he comes, leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills. My love is like a gazelle or a young stag. I have longed to be called a young stag (laughs) by my lady. It's dumb talk, but you know what? When you're in love, you do that. You you just, I mean, you're just in love. You're lovesick, and you talk crazy talk. Five words describe the happy honeymoon. Are you ready for them? Word number one that describes the happy honeymoon is intensity. 
I mean, you're giving your mate focused attention. You're spellbound. You're absorbed. You're engrossed in one another. You've got a crush. What did she say? I am love. <laughs> Y'all didn't get that, did you? I'm lovesick. Oh, my goodness, what a great description. And that's what happens in this first stage of marriage. You're zapped. And all you can see is this other person. I mean, the whole world is going on around you, but you're completely absorbed in that person. There is intensity there. The second word that describes the happy honeymoon is idealism. You have a tendency in this first stage of marriage to put your partner on a pedestal. You with me? Chapter 4 of the book of Song of Solomon does this. Here's what he says. How beautiful you are, my darling. How beautiful. What is it? It's dumb talk. Y'all don't like dumb talk, do you? Let me say love talk. I mean, here it is. He's, he's talking this love talk. And, and then he starts, he starts with this description of her. He, he kind of gives her a rundown. He says, your eyes behind your veil are doves. Your hair is like a flock of goats. Hey, guys, don't try that one. Don't, don't even go there. Your teeth are like a flock of sheep. Now, this is oriental love here, all right? Oriental beauty he's talking about here. Your lips are like scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is lovely. Your temples behind your veil are like halves of a pomegranate. Your neck is like the Tower of David. So do you see what this guy's doing? Solomon is just starting right up there at the head, and he's giving this, this love talk, this rundown of her entire body. And we're going to stop right there with the neckline. <laughs> because this is Sunday morning church, all right? You can go home and read the rest of it if you'd like to, but I'm going to stop at the neckline. He does say this in verse number 7. All beautiful you are, my darling. There is no flaw in you. Yeah, and there it is. Now, come on, let's be honest. There's a whole lot of flaws there. But he doesn't see a single one of them. Because he's zapped. He's in love. And there it is. Idealism. Number three, word three, is indulgence. There's a whole lot of giving in. And a whole lot of giving up in the honeymoon stage. Oh, whatever you want, babe. Darling, whatever you want. You go along to get along. You cater to every whim. You pamper one another. Ladies, you cannot stand sporting events. But you go with him and act like you enjoy it. Men, you hate to shop. You'd rather take Barney's gun to the head. But you go with her and you spend the whole day at the mall and you don't complain about it. Why? Because you're in love. Number four is infatuation. When you have intensity and idealism and indulgence, then you're going to have infatuation, which is extreme happiness. Everything is great. The world is great. You're great. She's great. Everything's great. I'm in love. I'm in love, and I don't care who knows about it. Y'all remember that? Yep, there's a bounce in your step. Now, Solomon, through this entire book, 
Song of Solomon is writing this way. You all have all these ingredients for a happy honeymoon. Intensity, idealism, indulgence, infatuation. But there is one more word that describes this phrase, word number five, which is ignorance. The fact is, you really don't even know that person. You're in love with the idea that you have of that person. You don't know what they're really like, and you have absolutely no idea what you're in for. One guy said it this way, I didn't know that puppy love would lead to a dog's life. (laughs) During this first phase, we tend to ignore the differences that we have and overlook our faults and their hang-ups, and any major conflict we have, we just simply sweep it under the rug. The phase is, the, the fact is, this phase can't last. Sooner or later, we realize that, you know what, we do have differences. And no, she's not perfect. And he's far from being perfect. And there's more to life than just this gooey love talk and having fun. You got to pay the bills. So the first phase kind of floats to the side, and we go to phase number two. So the honeymoon ends. I told first service people, this this happens in, in preachers' lives as well. They go to a new church, and what do they say? They're in the honeymoon. But the honeymoon never lasts, whether it's in the church or in your family. What is phase number two? The party's over. The thrill turns to tension. And we read about the party being over in Proverbs chapter 27. Now, you need to realize the same man who wrote Songs of Solomon also wrote Proverbs chapter 27. But notice the change in his attitude. In Songs of Solomon, he's saying, you're perfect, baby, you're flawless. Life is great. I'm in love. It's fantastic. But then just a little while later in Proverbs 27, this is what he says, a quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping on a rainy day. Restraining her is like restraining the wind or trying to grasp oil in your hand. What in the cat hair has happened? His delight has turned into disillusionment. His dating has turned into debating. His romance has turned into resentment. The idea has turned into an ordeal. It's like the man who goes complaining to his pastor a couple of months after he got married. He said, I just got some false advertising here, preacher. The pastor said, well, dude, you took her for better or worse, to which he said, yeah, but it's a whole lot worse than what I bargained for. Five words characterize phase two. Are you ready? Number one, dullness. It's back to the routine. I mean, boredom sits in. You become complacent. You kind of lose your interest. It it shows up in your appearance. I mean, before you got married, you you made sure everything was perfect before you went out on a date. Every hair in place, everything perfectly pressed, everything perfect. But now that you've been married a while and the party is over, you don't care and you just let her all hang out. It, It also shows up in our attitude. Before marriage and and during that first stage, it's, babe, anything you want. After, 
when the party's over? Get it yourself, buster. Huh? Dullness, routine. Word number two, disagreements begin. You realize, you know what? We, we are different. Opposites do attract. And you begin to clash over the differences and you start to argue and there's strife and contention in your marriage and you experience disharmony. There is conflicts and disagreements. And you know what? It's hard to say, morning, darling. (laughs) Number three, defensiveness. Because you start protecting yourself. You're not as open as you once were. You never let your guard down. There's a communication breakdown. You don't want your faults being used against you. And so here's what we do. We accuse and we excuse. We excuse our own bad behavior and we accuse our mates. We blame them and start finding fault with each other. Resentment builds up and there is always defensiveness. That leads to number four, disapproval. Before, we find Solomon saying, everything she does is right. After they'd been married a little while, he started saying, nothing she does is right. What a change in attitude. Now now there's a whole lot of nagging and criticism and complaining. It's like the wife who said, I knew my husband was temperamental, but I found out it was 90% temper and 10% mental. There's nagging. We criticize. We jab at one another. Someone wisely said, the way that you bury a marriage is a whole lot of little digs. Think about that. Constantly being critical. Number five, disappointment. Hmm. I've heard people say, Pastor, I just feel cheated. I got into this marriage and now I feel, you know, a whole lot of regret. I feel like I'm trapped. I don't know how to get out of it. What have I got myself into? And then the doubts start coming. Did I do the wrong thing? Did I marry the wrong person? Did I make a mistake? Was I even listening to God? Why in the world did I not listen to my mama? Doubts and disillusionment. So you got these five D's going on. Dullness, disagreements, defensiveness, disapproval, disappointment. It leads up to the two big D's. And what are the two big D's? Depression or divorce. Because that's what happens in in phase two. If you don't do anything about it, you're either going to get real depressed and say, you know what, I, I am in a mess, but I've made a commitment, so you know what, I'm just going to have to grin and bear it and stay depressed the rest of my life. Or you divorce, you just dump the bum. But what a change between stages one and stage two. Stage one, you make me feel so great. Life is so good. You're amazing. Stage two, you make me feel so bad. Life is miserable. What happens? Well, here's what I've discovered in my years of ministry. Usually three different things happen and two of them go together. There's either a breakup that I've talked about, a divorce, or there is a breakdown. You just get depressed and you just kind of try to deal with it. Or number three, 
Those two are bad. Or number three, there is a breakthrough. Come on. I, I, I tell you what, I would rather have the breakthrough than the breakup or the breakdown. Most marriages never make it past stage number two. The average length of a marriage in the United States of America right now is 7.2 years. That means they never get to phase three. They go through the happy honeymoon stage, and then they get stuck in the debating stage. The party is over, and everything comes crashing down. They realize, you know what, we really do have differences. We really do. We look at the world differently. And there's either a breakup or a breakdown. But you know what? You don't have to settle for that. You can have a breakthrough. And what is the breakthrough? It's phase three. I'm just going to call it grown-up love. It's mature love. It's the kind of love that Paul wrote about in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. And I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but just a couple of verses. Look at verses 4 through 7. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It's not boastful. It is not arrogant, nor is it rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not irritable. And it does not, listen, mark this down, it does not keep a record of wrong. Wow. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but it rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. This kind of mature love endures all things. You know what's described here? It's mature love. Not infatuation, not romanticism, but mature love. And you know what? Look at me. Everybody look at me. Love is a choice. Love is a choice. But, but how do we get there? How do we survive phase two so that we can make it to and thrive in phase three? Now, all the stuff I've given you before, you know, I know for some of you, it went in one ear, out the other. You did a little jabbing on a few of those things. You need to write these things down. This is how we get through stage three. Three things. We open up, we give up, and we grow up. Let's talk about those for a moment. Number one, we open up. Here's what James chapter 5, verse 16 says. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray one for another so that you can be healed. What a powerful verse that is. How, how are relationships healed? How is a broken relationship between a husband and a wife, between parents and children, healed? Two things there. There has to be confession and there has to be prayer. And let me tell you, it starts with prayer. Everybody look at me. There is no way you're going to get out of stage two and into stage three without the help of God. Ain't going to happen, man. And so there has to be this prayer with the Lord. You, you've got to be fully committed to God. Here's what I know. If she, Miss Angie, is fully committed to Jesus Christ and he is the Lord of her life, and I am fully committed to Jesus Christ, and he is the Lord of my life, then you know what? We've got hope there. And Jesus is not going to argue with Jesus. 
The Jesus inside of Angie is not going to argue with the Jesus inside of me. So if there is knockdown dragouts going on at 905 Cary Lane, Jesus is not involved in that. So we pray. We commit our life and our families to the Lord. And then what do we do? We talk to each other. Confession and prayer. Therefore, confess your sins, your faults to each other. And pray for each other so that you can be healed. You open up. It takes a whole lot of honest communication to get to this third stage. You've got to admit that you're part of the problem. You are. You know, this happens all the time. I I listen to people complain about situations they're in and, and bad things that are happening to them and broken relationships, whether it be with coworkers or family members or even your spouse. And I, I listen, it happens over and over and over again. And, and I get to thinking, well, you know what? There, There is one common denominator in all of these broken relationships that you're not talking about. Could the root of the problem or at least part of the problem be with you? This is tough stuff, isn't it? But if we're going to make it into stage three, you're going to have to open up and you're going to have to admit, you know what? I am part of the problem. Face the issues. Share your feelings and be honest with your spouse. Quit pretending and quit concealing. You need to say stuff like this. Okay, but this is where I'm hurting. This is what I don't like. This is what I need. But, but you know what? You don't stop there. You say to them, what do you need? How are you hurting? What am I doing that's driving you crazy? And you listen without becoming defensive. It takes a whole lot of listening and a whole lot of leveling gut to gut to make it to stage three. So many times we conceal, don't we? I mean, that's what we're good at. Like the wife who said to their husband, are you a man or a mouse? Squeak up. (laughs) Confess your faults to one another and pray for one another so that you can be healed. So number one, open up. Number two, give up. You might say, oh, preacher, I gave up a long time ago. (laughs) That's not what I'm referring to. You need to give up the ways of reacting that plainly don't work. You you know that definition of insanity? You just keep doing the same things over and over again, getting the same result? Well, you need to change that up and, and do something that does work. You need to give up those things that tend to increase the problem rather than decrease the problem. The attitudes and responses that heighten the tension rather than reduce the tension. So what are some of these common self-defeating attitudes? What things do you need to give up so that your marriage can be better? I'm just going to throw a few of them out there without saying a whole lot about them. Number one, here's what you need to give up, the silent treatment. Well, I'm just going to sulk and, and pout. And so they say to you, babe, is anything wrong? No. Are you sure? No. Are you all right? Leave me alone. The silent treatment is going to kill your marriage. I've seen marriages die because people just clam up. No, listen, you've got to open your mouth and talk if you want to fix the problem. Number two, you need to give up threatening to walk out. If you don't do this, you just just wait and see what happens. 
And the insinuation is there. And then you get bold and say, if you don't do it my way, I'm walking out that door. Sooner or later, they're going to say to you, there's the door. Number three, you need to give up sarcasm and ridicule. It never builds a marriage. You may think it's funny, and you may think it's cute, and other people may laugh at it, but it doesn't help. Number four, you need to give up blaming As long as you spend all your time trying to fix the blame, you can't fix the problem. And you've heard me say more than once that when you blame, all you're doing is being lame. B-L-A-M-E. Be lame. That's what you're doing. It doesn't help. And then finally, and you're saying, I'm so glad you're saying finally on this. You need to give up trying to change your partner. Because you can't change them. New and improved honey made by me. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Years ago, somebody told me something. I've, I've never forgotten it. It's the sequence that occurs in a wedding. They walk down an aisle. They kneel at an altar. And they sing a hymn. Those things usually happen in any wedding. An aisle, an altar, a hymn. And all the while she's saying, soon as we do this, I, I will alter him. Come on, use your head. I'll alter him. Come on. It, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. We need to open up. We need to give up these bad habits. And then, number three, here it is. We need to grow up. The greatest need in marriages today is maturity, a mature love. There are a lot of selfish, immature people that God put together before they realized what was going on. And even though your marriage may be a mess right now, let me tell you, it can work if you will grow up and accept responsibility for it. But you got to grow up. Say, preacher, I'm 70 years old. You know what? You still haven't grown up yet. A lot of us need to grow up in our relationships and in our marriages. We have to learn to adapt and to adjust. There's got to be some give and take. We've got to grow up. And it takes time to get to stage number three. It doesn't just happen overnight. You can't stand before a preacher and say, I do, and say to her, I love you, and that be it. No, you've got to say, I do every day. And you've got to say, I love you, honey, every day. So is it worth it? Let me ask you, is it worth it? I say, yes, it is. And I stand before you today as a testimony that it is worth it. Let me tell you, it's worth it. There's nothing more fulfilling than having a relationship that is built on God's Word and the things that do not change. How do you have a marriage that will last forever? Well, the Bible tells us that there are three things that will last forever. And they are right there in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that passage we've already read. He said, these three will last forever. What are they? Faith, hope, and love. 
So you build your life, your marriage on those things, faith, hope, and love. And you can have a great marriage. I tell you all of this because I am an expert. on marriage and you say to me when did that happen brother will say that that yesterday (laughs) yesterday may 14th way back in 1983 she said i do and we did so yesterday we celebrated 39 years of marital bliss And poof, I became an expert in marriage. 30, 39 years makes you an Did you know that? Brian, did you know that 39 years makes you an expert? It does, though, because I said it does. And I'm going to come back to something because this, this is so important. If you don't get anything else, you need to get a hold of this. The Jesus inside of Angie doesn't fight with, doesn't argue, doesn't blast the Jesus inside of Will. And when I have submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in my life, and she has submitted to the Lordship of Jesus in her life, we have this golden triangle, faith, hope, and love. And it works. It works. Your marriage may be great right now. Fantastic if it is. You know what? You can make it better. Morning, honey. (laughs) Or your marriage may be on the rocks right now. You, You might be at the end of stage two thinking the party is over. But Jesus can change everything. But it all begins when you submit to the Lordship of Christ in your own life. And then you give him your marriage and your family. And I can't think of a better place or a better time to do that than right here, right now, Kavanaugh Church, 11.30 a.m. on May the 15th. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes? We're just going to have a prayer time, an altar time where you can come and pray. If you're in this room and you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you can do that today. He can change everything. Maybe you need to come and, and, and renew the Lordship of Jesus in your life. Recommit your life to Him. If you're here today and you're married, I, I would encourage you as a couple, husband and wife, to come and just give your marriage to the Lord. Just, just lay it before the Lord and say, God, would you please bless our marriage. Help us to build our marriage on the solid rock of Jesus Christ so that when the rains fall and the winds blow and the floods rise, our marriage can make it. If you have a family, just bring your whole family. Pray together and submit to the Lordship of Christ. Heavenly Father, would you please do something amazing in our lives in our marriages, and in our families. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you just stand up? Heads bowed and eyes closed. As soon as you stand up, why don't you just step out and come? Families come together. Husbands, take your wife by the hand. Y'all just come and pray today. 
give your family, your marriage to the Lord. Would you? As they sing, you come and pray. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we only want to hear your voice. We're hanging on every word. Spirit of the living God, Spirit Lord Jesus, please fill this room, fill our hearts, and change everything. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for working in our lives and in our marriages and in this church. I pray, dear Lord, that we would love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I pray, dear Lord, that as we love you, we would love one another. I pray a blessing on every marriage that is in this room and every marriage that is watching online. Lord, bless us and use us. Help us to be an example to this sinful world of what real life is all about. We ask this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Thank you, guys. You can be seated. Thank you for listening, for listening this morning. God bless you. Bless you, guys. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. We're going to have a special treat for you right now. And as they're coming in, let me just uh, remind you of a couple of things. When you leave today, make sure you drop your offering in one of those black boxes. At 6.30 tonight, we have Bible study online. Uh, Brian Brooks is going to be teaching that, so uh, tune in to Facebook Live page and, uh, and listen to that. Tomorrow uh, starts the Arkansas State Association of Free Will Baptist meeting in Conway, Arkansas. Two Kavanaugh people are going to be speaking at the state meeting. Mason Polk will be preaching at noon on Tuesday, and Brother Jason is going to preach on Tuesday evening. So be in prayer for that state meeting and pray for your staff as we go. Then on Wednesday night, right here, Brother Mason Polk is going to be here to preach for us. I love to hear Mason preach, don't you? So be here on Wednesday night for that. It's going to be wonderful. Can you tell what's happening behind me? We've got the best kids in the world that are lining up, and Miss Karen. Yeah, give them a big hand. Would you do that? 
Miss Karen is going to lead them in a song. Oh, this is going to be great. I'm so excited, aren't you? Fantastic, wonderful, wonderful. Okay, good deal. Thank you, Brother Johnny. Way to, way to corral these kids. Man, wow. Can I just, can I just tell y'all something? Y'all are amazing. Did you know that? You're amazing. Some of the prettiest girls I've ever seen right up here on this stage. And some of the most handsome young men. Wonderful. You going to sing for us? All right. Let's hear it. It's going to be great. Great job. That was great. Y'all did so good. Yeah, give them a big hand. Fantastic. Love you guys. What a great job. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Wasn't that great? I don't have anything else to say, but you can pick up your kids and grandkids right over here, all right? Please, please pick up. God bless y'all. Have a great day. You're dismissed.